I will be reading um, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope and hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Thank you, Alex. It's great to see everybody here. And being able to worship God is always a great thing. It's December already. Did you know that? How did that happen? I mean, it's like the years flying by. It's just one of those things that I guess that must mean I'm old. <laughs> Said that's what happens when you get older. It goes faster, and <laughs> that's what happens. One of the things we're doing right now is the adopt a family. Let me explain a little bit about what that is. We had tried to do outreach to the neighborhood, and. We would buy a toy and have the neighborhood come in and select a toy that they were never happy with and didn't like it because they wanted the blue truck, not the red one. And so it, it just was not working well for us. And besides that, we weren't really sure who was coming or what was being done. And so a few years ago, we decided to do it a little bit different. Lowell Elementary School is right down the road. We have partnered with them. We have a lot of things that we do with them. And there are families that they recognize because they see them every day of the week that those families are in need. And so we ask them to give us names of families. And for the families to give us their size, what they like, I think it's... There's a set of clothes and then there's a toy and we're just asking for you to take one of those things, not all, not a whole person, but just one of those things. Go buy it brand new. Please don't give away your old stuff. They deserve some new stuff, too. This is not a garage sale. Get something new that you can give to a family that genuinely does have a need because this is where everybody knows. They know these people don't have anything. And so those things are available. There are tags at the Welcome Center if you want to pick one of those up. And December 22nd, a Sunday night, we will go deliver presents. And you will get to go with us and take the presents to the house. And you can see who they are. And uh, it's always a really exciting time. So that's what we're doing right now. And... uh, It's just a really neat thing to be able to watch all of that. So we've been talking about peace. This will be the last one on peace. Not that you cannot be peaceful through the whole season, but this will be the last one where we're preaching about peace. And we've talked about the 23rd Psalm, about how it is when God leads us, and therefore God leads us to green pastures and quiet waters. He leads us in all the good things in life, and what a great thing that that is. But he also leads us in dangerous times and hard times because some things in life are very difficult. And it may not be such an easy time for us. And then he also blesses us 
And we would like to think it's in all those good times, the blessings by the quiet waters and the green pastures. But he says, I'm going to bless you in front of other people. In fact, the other people are your enemies. Because I want them to see what it looks like when God blesses somebody. And so he's not going to take away the enemies. He's going to leave the enemies there. I always don't like that part, but somehow he says, you're going to get the blessing in front of them so that they will realize this is a God who blesses. And that's what he talks about in the 23rd Psalm. It's, it's a matter of this kind of peace that is amazing. But peace we recognize is not outward circumstance. Peace is what happens on the inside. And we see Jesus as a person of peace. And he's one of those people that we follow in trying to find that kind of peace that he had. One of the last statements Jesus makes is to try and give his disciples peace. It's in John 14, verses 25 to 27. And he says, After these these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you All things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It's an amazing passage because he talks here, first of all, about he's going away, and certainly that's not a very good time, not a very easy time when they're about to lose their leader. It's going to be very difficult for them. But then he says, I'm going to give you my peace. But then you realize what's coming next is his peace, his peace as he looks at a cross. And so he's headed to a cross next. And so he talks about this spirit who's able to come. He's a helper. That's always good, right? If you have somebody there to help, uh, he can do half the work and you can do half the work. Uh, No. He's a helper for you, not a helper for your work, okay? So he's there to help you and for you to be able to cope with all these things. And so God gives them hope by the coming of the Spirit. He says you're going to teach. He's going to be able to help you remember things. He will teach you all things. And he leaves his peace with us. There are some scary things that are coming with Jesus. By tomorrow, he will be dead. His arrest and trial are just hours away, and it will not seem like a peaceful time at all. Their life will change completely, and it will never go back again. And I'm sure there are times like that that have happened with you. So there's this intangible quality that we enjoy when we can believe important things are on track. They are going to happen. And that we are where we are supposed to be for the time that we are in. And we can believe and we can act on things we can't see. That is the peace I'm talking about. It's not just a matter of circumstance or situation. Because what's coming next is the beginning of the church. It's the time of the Spirit when the Spirit is poured out in the prophecy of Joel. And as you read Acts chapter 2, it talks about this Spirit being poured out. 
And it has been as, as the disciples begin to speak in tongues and there is fire that comes down and it draws everyone together. And so this outpouring of the Spirit, he says, is on all mankind. It's for all mankind that will accept it. And so they're trying to understand how this is. This sermon goes to the same crowd of people who had just killed Jesus two months before. How hard would that be to forgive the death of the guy you had followed for three and a half years? And so I think this has to be the Holy Spirit somewhere in here being able to change them so that they recognize the guy who was in the front row who yelled the loudest and they're able to forgive him of that and say, yes, I want you to sit next to me in church. Because this is one of the last places where peace resides. It shouldn't be. But it is. And that's in church. I find that so odd as people who profess peace and talk about Jesus who has peace. And yet, if you look at any congregation, one of the things that happens the most is they don't survive, they don't stand, because there isn't any peace inside the church. So how do you get peace inside the church? I mean, I can be at peace. It's all the rest of you guys that are just, you got problems, I tell you. But that's really not the way it works. So I want to be able to look at that today. How could you have peace when it's that close? But they do. The call to worship. It's no longer 11 people in an upper room. I mean, the communion logistics alone, I think our, di- our guys do a fantastic job. I don't know if you realize, but it's a very quick time turnaround for being able to get everything passed out. If you have 3,000 people and no organization and it's got to happen tomorrow, who buys the grape juice? I mean, can you find a store that sells Welch's? Where do you get all of this? How do we bake bread for how many people? Just the logistics alone. But there's one phrase in Acts 2 that stands out to me that I think may be one of the most important. And that it's in Acts 2, verse 43 and 44. He's talked about what they are supposed to do, how they should repent of their sins and be baptized into Christ, and that they would receive the Holy Spirit. And as they did those things... It says, an awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. That's amazing to me, to look at that phrase, awe came upon every soul. There there was something going on inside. It's not a Disney kind of awe of, oh, look at that over there. But it's an awe of what's going on right around them and within them. Because they realize they're part of something that is so much bigger than they are. And as they think about it and realize what it looks like, can you just imagine if everybody in church is like this? Minus the stick, of course. (laughs) Well, you may need the stick. Uh, But do you see that expression on people's face very often? We have gotten to the point where we don't even flinch. 
We get so many advertisements. We get so many things about disaster. We get so many things that are designed to pull at our emotions. We don't see much awe anymore. I mean, how much did you buy on Black Friday? Were you in awe of the fact that they can ship it and get it to you? Are we ever in awe of church? The last phrase that would seem to be used is awe. But they are praising God. They are all together and God keeps adding to their numbers and it keeps growing. Do you think there's forgiveness going on? Absolutely. Forgiveness is huge. And they understood each other. They understood there is no innocent people here. We all were there. We all talked about Jesus. And awe starts on a personal level. The realization that God had actually worked among them. The realization that every day they saw Him, they heard Him, and now they're trying desperately to remember what He said. And how do they remember? Oh yes, that Holy Spirit, right? Brings back some of the things that, okay, I remember I heard Him say this. And so the disciples are there and they're teaching. Eventually in, in Acts 4 it says they're one heart and one soul. He's, he's describing a quality about them, not a practice that they did. Because how do you get to there? How do you get that kind of peace where everybody is one heart and one soul? How do we get back to that? The answer is we don't. Because you can never go back. If you were a part of a church a number of years ago and think about the good old times and the good old days when, if you look across our country, church is no longer like that. I mean any church anywhere. The only thing we can do is go forward. It isn't that better anyway. It's not about whatever was before. It's not about being able to go and sit around the campfire with Jesus, with just 12 guys and Him. It's now a matter of we go forward. It comes from a crucified Savior. The disciples can't go back. They can't look at the old days. And so what does a path forward actually look like? And so the passage Alex has read to us today, I think, is where it starts. As Paul writes about this, he writes about a situation that's difficult for him. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. He's actually a real prisoner. But he says, I'm a prisoner for God. And so he claims it that way. And it's not going to be in the best circumstance. But I want you to work, walk worthy in all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so he's talked about a lot of things here. And we just read over those and go, uh, yeah, I'll try and work on those sometime. Now, if you're going to get to the Spirit in the bond of peace, you're going to have to start with the list. Because you don't get to the last one until you've done all the first ones. And I think maybe that's the difference in what we try to do. We've become so action-oriented. We want to, how, how can I get the result? I want the result. What's the result? The result starts from you being who you're supposed to be. Because that's what he's describing in this passage. 
You've been called with humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. And if you can't put up with each other, you're not going to get to peace. If you can't have patience with each other, you're not going to get to peace. And then we are eager to maintain that unity of the Spirit. And that makes a bond of peace when all the people have come to this. And then he starts with the seven ones. There is one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And we look at those and look at those as a point where everyone circled around those and went, yes, we have one of those together. And as you look at the early church, they looked at it and said, those are all things that unite us. But today when we read this passage, those are all things that divide us. And we want to read the passage and says there's one baptism and mine's right. There's one church and mine's right and yours is not. There's one Lord and, and anything other than Him is not. And it's not a matter of unity collecting as what we would think of in this passage but it becomes a matter of division. And we look at Paul as saying, you know, there's only one of these and the rest of you guys aren't doing very well. That's not the point of the passage. The point is when you've been able to deal with all the emotional stuff and get there, then you're able to see that there is all of these things come to one thing, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who's over all and through all and in all and understands all, and sees what everyone is doing. And so we are able to cope with all of these things. God is over all. And so make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, partly by the things in which we would put on, the humility, gentleness, patience, and the bearing with, putting up with. Yeah, that's always a hard one, isn't it? And when we look at our progression of peace, it usually goes something like this. We think of salvation first. I mean, that's the number one thing because nothing happens without that. And so we'll emphasize Acts 2.38 and, and look at that as a time when sins were taken away because they made a covenant by repentance and baptism into Christ. And so we're able to see that that's where things begin. That they go from being lost to actually being saved, from being murderers to actually being saints. And what an incredible passage that is. But then we can't stop there. We realize that there are habits to learn. There are things that need to be done. And we learn how to pray. And we learn how to worship. And we learn how to sing. And then there's the whole idea of service to God. And someone will quote the verse about widows and orphans and taking care of others, that that's pure religion. And then there's teaching and then there's service. Because teaching is so important for them to be able to learn, to be able to make this progression, to be able to get further. And then we haven't even talked about making disciples yet because in order for you to make disciples and come follow me, then that's what you need to do is be able to say that first. And put on some of those things first so that now we're able to go and we're able to make disciples. And then being led by the Spirit and worship becomes deeper. But when we get to the peace of God, 
we have to be aware of much more than just salvation. It seems that we always emphasize this when I was growing up is, well, that's a salvation issue and the rest doesn't matter. That's not right. The rest absolutely matters or we will not be who God wants us to be. And we will be in churches that divide, churches that split, churches that can't get along, and none of the people look like Jesus whatsoever. We got to be able to find peace, but it's got to come in a whole different way. It isn't really learning. It's an awareness, an understanding of the world, of who we are, of where we are, of who's in charge, of where our place is, of what we have control of, and what we don't have control of. What our limitations are, what our blessings are, and so we stop fighting. We stop fighting for ourselves. It's not about our rights. It's not about our cravings. It's not about our habits. It's not about our desires. It's all about God. Because we put Him first. And we stop fighting for our agenda or for our way or for our preferences or whatever other tag you want. And maybe one of the passages that describes this whole process best is found in Colossians chapter 3. And if you'll just... I know it's a big block of Scripture, but if you'll look at this and let's try and take it apart as we look at where it gets to when he talks about peace. He says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, here's the list, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? Same list as Ephesians. Hmm. You might think he was serious about it. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. There is so much packed into that passage. There's no baptism, right? Well, how am I supposed to know what to do? It's like when you're a kid. I mean, you go to Bible class and they ask a question. Jesus. I mean, well, if it's not Jesus, it's God. Those are the only two answers you knew. And so if it wasn't one of those, you were like, well, this is, must be false teaching because all answers are either Jesus or God. And Somewhere we have to learn more than that. We have to go on from there to realize some different things. And so Colossians, Paul says, I'm trying to mature a church and bring some peace to it so that the peace of Christ can rule in your hearts. How do we do that? I'll just give you the posters. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. 
Yeah, he was serious about all of those. And he lists those over and over and over again in different passages. He lists those as qualities about Jesus, qualities of disciples. The same thing. He's trying to say, this is what I need you to be. And then he says, I want you to be able to put up with each other. Bear with one another. Through complaints, forgive, grievance, If you have anything against anyone, forgive as God forgave you. And sometimes it's been way too long since we were forgiven. And so we've forgotten what it's like to have that kind of forgiveness. Not that we don't need it, but that sometimes it's been too long. He says, put on love that binds everything in perfect harmony. What an incredible thing that is when you hear that kind of harmony. And then let the peace of Christ rule in your heart because you've done those other things. And you let the word of Christ dwell within. And so there's teaching and admonishing and singing with thankful hearts. And then you do everything in the name of the Lord. Everything He wants, everything His way, everything you can see, everything you discover. Because that becomes what life is about. We realize that what he wants is peace. Another source where peace comes from is it's just directly as a list from the Spirit. And so part of the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Okay, dump it on me. No. Well, get ready. How big's your bucket? Your bucket is just as big as the love and gentleness and faithfulness and forbearance and putting up with will hold. And if you don't have that as your bucket, you can't dump peace in there. It just runs off of you because you don't have anywhere for it to go. And so the fruit of the Spirit is great, but do we know how to work it? How do you plug it in? Where's the on button? How do I get peace out of this? And sometimes I think it's because we haven't really quite understood the whole process. All of these things are important. All of this comes together. And you can have a group that has great peace in it. Our church does. There's not arguments. I'm not preaching at anybody. Nothing I'm aware of anyway. Maybe you guys have some going on, but none that I'm aware of. And that's why I can preach this one, okay? Because that's a great thing here to be able to realize that we have some people. We talk about maturity. We try to get people where they need to be. And when you look at how the Bible deals with some of these issues and some of the things that are going on and you look at the churches around and you realize that There's so much confusion going on. There is so much turmoil that goes on. And people split because they can't be parts with each other rather than trying to work this out. Forbearance, putting up with, bear, does that have any meaning on any of this? It usually means there's a problem, doesn't it? And so just one of those passages that we talk about is Romans 14. And in Romans 14, he's going to describe what happens when people have different opinions. I'm sure we all have the same opinion here, because after all, I'm the preacher. You listen to me, so you're going to have my opinion, right? Yeah, no. John's laughing too hard over there. 
No, everybody's got different opinions. And the more you try to convince people that yours is right, the more they're going to develop a different one. It just seems like that. That seems like the way it's going to be. And as he talks about this, he talks about don't quarrel over opinions. Everybody stands before God. Don't pass judgment. Don't decide yours is right, yours is wrong, mine is better, yours is out. They had quarrels over eating meat. Can you eat meat? Can you eat meat sacrificed to idols? Should you just eat vegetables? After all, they didn't eat meat in the garden. All kinds of issues like this. And they finally said, well, you know what? You just need to do what gives you peace with God. Some people talked about special days. We like this day better than other days. We're going to celebrate this day for God. Why? You don't have a command. Well, we're just going to celebrate this day for God. And they didn't know how to do that or didn't like that. There are feasts that come in later than what Moses' law ever talked about. I mean, there are things in Esther that, that don't even seem to be part of the covenant of Moses. Can, can you keep those? Are those okay? Can we do our own? And so he comes to this conclusion. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. He's talking about matters of opinion. He's not talking about things that Jesus commanded and expected. He's talking about the way in which things happen and preferences and what we like. And his conclusion at the end is, be able to make peace with it. Be able to get along with it. Be able to understand each other with it. I saw this. Peace doesn't mean troubles are absent. Peace means God is present. That's what he said in the passage. Whatever makes for peace and mutual upbuilding, it is through the Holy Spirit. And somehow that Spirit is able to help us communicate. See, if both sides are putting on compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience and learning how to put up with each other and forgiving the way the Lord forgives, is there really going to be any trouble? I think probably not. Because if everybody's doing that, then it's going to solve itself. It's only when we try to do it a different way. He says, put on love. It's the harmony. You know what harmony's like. It's that blending when you hear voices. You ever sat around the people who sing really well? Not me. I mean, somebody who sings really well, and it just, it's so beautiful. There are complementary sounds, octaves that match, thirds that match. There are complementary colors, and there are people who are complementary. Not like you. Chances are the person you married is nothing like you, because opposites seem to attract. And the reason churches have trouble is because we are not who we should be. If all we do is focus on salvation, we kind of miss the point. He wants us to go further. He wants us to be more. 
And it all starts with me. And it all starts with you. And it all starts with being who we should be. And what does it take to get there? It's about our attitude. It's about our compassion, our forgiveness. It's about our love. It's about how we treat each other. I mean, it begins with salvation. Start there, definitely start there, but then move quickly to the next steps of what it is we're supposed to be. And so let me ask you today, have you found the peace of God that lets you go beyond offense? Even your own offense to God or somebody else's offense to God when they do it wrong. You see, the church was to be a place where you put a whole bunch of sinners together and they get along. Does that sound like a good plan? It does if you have the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Because those two will reflect this huge change that has happened in the people where they are able to show the peace of God that passes all understanding. If you don't have that this morning, we want you to have that. This is a time of peace. You're going to be hearing songs about peace. Make sure you've got that today. However, we're able to help you reach that peace, whether it's by praying, whether it's by baptism, whether it's by just being able to talk to somebody. Come while we stand and sing.